Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name's Ellie Nunn, and joining me is my co-host and long-distance lover, James Evans. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How you doing, James? Oh my God! You really you could have knocked me over with a feather. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Not mad you? about it though. Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Um, uh, I'm doing a, a Real Housewives interview look today, where I've got a nice top on the top, and then I'm wearing tracksuit bottoms at the bottom. You know what I mean? Gosh, you really took me off guard. I thought you were saying that you were doing a Real Housewives interview. I was like, wow, the press from this has kicked off fast. Andy Cohen's about to call. And- the Real Housewives interviews I do are very much still in my head. Do you ever do that when there's a minor social slight that happens to you and then immediately in your head, you're just like sitting in front of a fireplace with a Luann statement necklace on going, I thought I could trust her. And now I realise oh. what kind of friend she is. <laughs> Did you see um, at the beginning of lockdown, someone on Twitter put together this incredible series of videos where it was like daily occurrences happening in the house, but co- edited like a Real Housewives episode? Oh, no, I didn't. I'm going to have to find it for you. It was delightful. Was this the one? Did you see the one where it was um, at the top of the meme? It said me calling a meeting with my houseplant the morning after we had a massive fight. And it's just a video of Vicky Gobbleson sitting in a cafe with really tense music. And then Tamara walks in and then she like sits down and takes off her sunglasses and goes, hi, we need to talk. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, I personally really appreciate on Instagram, whenever you do Instagram stories that are housewives related, pretty much just for my benefit. Absolutely. (laughs) And then every time I lose followers, the other like (laughs) 99.999% are going, what the hell is this guy talking about? And also they're not, they're Uh, all like election based things. So it was kind of my election mania meets my housewives mania, which just meant things that were very niche in terms of housewives, but also very general in terms of the election. It was just like Vicky Gonverson screaming and then me going, Donald Trump. (laughs) They were on point. Trust me. You did, you. you did great. Ellie, how are you? I'm good. I've just had a very Lisa Vanderpump style scone with cream and jam and a cup of tea. Ooh, ooh, lovely. I know, how very <laughs> British of me. Very I feel indeed. like in the US, that's how Americans think that we spend our days. And usually we refute that. But today I did exactly that. It's quite the heavy burden to bear trying to um, live up to the Lisa Vanderpump stereotype. God, she is a queen. But Jeez. sadly, we're not talking about her today. No, I can't. I wish we could, though, because I'm actually quite nervous to, to talk about uh, the subjects of today's episode. I was going to say, I feel our day would be better, potentially, if we were going to talk about Lisa Vanderpump. But today, instead, we wear the heavy yoke that is committing <laughs> to a, a podcast Hot. episode all about the one and only Kelly Bensman. I've stopped saying her full name because I can't not hear it as um, something in clinical trials awaiting FDA approval. Imagine if the year couldn't get any worse and then we are just stuck with the Kelly Chlorin Ben Simone is our key out of the pandemic. The silver bullet. Well, actually, I have an update. She's actually dropped one of her surnames and she dropped the Ben Simone. So really, we need to be saying the Kelly Chlorin. Oh, so she's just Kelly. Oh, that's her middle name. <laughs> yeah, she's like Cher. <laughs> exactly. She, she deserves it. I mean, if you say Kelly, I know exactly who you're talking about. It's, so, it's like when she's in Scary Island and she goes, remember what you said to my friend Gwyneth? Uh, I Paltrow. Was, honestly, that was one of the things I was excited to, to say today to uh, like dust off as a bit of very niche housewife's history when she said, sorry, I was just in there. My friend Gwyneth. It's so good. Gwen, Gwen, Gwen. What Everyone I love knows Gwen. is that straight afterwards, she's like, and my friend Rachel, and we can only, we can only guess who that might be. My money's on Zoe. Oh, mine's on Vice. Oh, yeah, that's more highbrow. Yeah. Yeah, you can't follow up Gwyneth Paltrow with Rachel Zoe, can you? That's true. <laughs> or there's Rachel Drash. So where do we, where do we even begin? Uh, I, I feel like it's good to just, because it's Kelly and because she's such a chaotic nightmare of contradictions i think it's best to just have a little uh, a breathing moment where we just get anything off our chests stuff that maybe defies categorization appropriately um that we just want to get out at the very beginning is there anything that's weighing heavily on you when it comes to kelly oh that feels like a like you say a sort of dangerously chaotic 
uh, place to start. Things that spring mm. to mind would be um, her decision to wear pink wellies on her first date with Max at the Brass Monkey. Ooh, um, yeah. Although I I, I, in some that. ways, on, on the pink wellies or on the Brass Monkey? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the Brass Monkey, but the pink wellies very much come into play. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear about that later. Um, and... I mean, I feel like where else do you start except for Kelly's iconic, hi. 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 (laughs) Hi. Well, it's because she's nervous. She doesn't want to be like that, Ellie. She doesn't want to be the girl who walks into the room going, hi, because they're all going to bite her head off. She she wants to be her. She wants to be Kelly, mother of C and Teddy. (laughs) What do you think that would look like? She'd come in and be like, hello. (laughs) She wants to to come in and go, greetings. (laughs) I mean, it's very fitting for her, I guess. But I think... What I really want to get off my chest is, you know, on this podcast, the idea is that we really chew over the fat, as it were, and we just pick and pick and pick away until we find the greater depth in things. And I, maybe as a spoiler alert for the very beginning of this episode, I feel like we're not going to get very far with Kelly because my very first note and essentially the rest of my notes are just me saying she's absolutely bonkers. And I feel like her legacy on the show is that she's mad. I feel like that's how people remember her. And on rewatching, she really kind of is. And I just want to qualify something by saying, I I do call most of the women on the show mad. But what I normally mean by that is that it's in a fun way, like, oh, they're eccentric and they don't have their priority straight necessarily, but they make good TV. Whereas Kelly, I actually wonder how she functions in day-to-day life. You know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust her enough to leave her unattended in my house. I think you're right that the difference between calling the women mad, but then being entertaining was that for the most part, they're able to like maintain a clear narrative. Whereas Mm -hmm. with Kelly, she really does epitomize the phrase, you can't argue with crazy. And Mm -hmm. to the point that the show hit a brick wall because the show doesn't work without a core set of values, including like culpability and accountability for things that you say. It doesn't work on a show if someone can say something and then just be like completely contradict themselves or say, well, it doesn't matter or say, are we really going to talk about that or sort of pretend to fall asleep at a reunion? Like they actually, they got as far as they could go with Kelly. And I think she stops being interesting television because you can't follow her. Exactly. It doesn't, it's not good TV anymore. And it is just ultimately, it makes for a frustrating experience. And it's also, it also makes for a concerning experience because I think that's the other key with, with Kelly is that she doesn't have the thick skin that you maybe need to flourish in this show i think i re- i remember bethany said something on um there was a watch what happens live 100 episode new york special where andy was interviewing all the great and good housewives of new york past and present and they were talking he was talking to bethany about kelly and bethany said something really astute she said kelly was not built for reality tv and i think that's very true and that made me think of kelly as a very a very light version of Taylor Armstrong and that dilemma on Beverly Hills where they make for such compelling drama, but at what cost? And it did end up getting to a point where at the end Mm. of season three and the reunion, there were some very real and earnest questions about whether or not Kelly is sane and she was still invited back for season four. (laughs) Mm. And it is kind of like- I really felt that watching that I was like, it's, it hits a point where she just doesn't seem to have the resilience required for the show. Um, I don't feel, in the same way that I said, you know, that if you want to dive into the world of the Real Housewives, you want to be in quite a strong place mentally to be able to carry the baggage of all of these women. I do feel like Kelly wasn't in a strong enough place within herself to be able to like weather the manic storm of the show. Yeah. And I think so not in the right place that she couldn't even check herself to know that Mm. she's not in a right place. So I think I I feel it. 
I feel like it's important to say at the beginning of an episode talking about Kelly that you can't not in some ways have compassion for that exact thing that I don't feel in a way it was a fair fight because I don't think that she uh, had that resilience. However, you can't not watch the show and also find Kelly deeply frustrating, uh, stressful, angering, irritating. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever had as visceral a reaction to any housewife as I had to Kelly over the three seasons that she appeared on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is the thing, I don't want to just, you know, rag on Kelly for an hour because they're actually, this was very interesting for me to go back and look at some of those key scenes and really view them in a different way. And I really tried my best to kind of see what she was saying. And maybe I just went down the rabbit hole, but I kind of was following her a lot of the time. And I actually do think that the women to an, to a certain point were kind of, all ganging up on her and they were kind of goading her in her insanity and I, and it just wasn't a fair fight and I think that's the thing is that Kelly Kelly was essentially Bethany's punching bag for two whole seasons which just it doesn't oh, make for a fair fight I don't know but I do feel it's tough because on one hand I agree that it's not it's not balanced by the fact that Bethany appears to have this self-assurance that allows her Uh, at least on the surface, to be very thick-skinned. But the whole idea that Bethany was was in any way bullying Kelly, you know, this constant thing of systematic bullying. I love when Bethany interrupts her one last time just to be like, can I just ask, is that that a medical term? I just, I just need to know. Um, it's like after the umpteenth <laughs> time of Andy going, please, ladies, you're all, you, you look like bullies right now. Just let it, and Kelly literally gets a syllable out. So is, is that a medical term? Is that, is that what you're saying? Huh? A, huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Again, that was very fuzzy there. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, but I really disagree with the portrayal that Kelly was Bethany's punching bag because going back and re-watching again and again, Kelly baits Bethany and then turns it on its head and says that Bethany is after her. A perfect example of this, to jump right in, comes near the end of season four on Scary Island where they are all sitting down to dinner, a dinner that Bethany is making. Bethany's in the kitchen and they're agreeing on the seating arrangements for the dinner. And Kelly says, um, am I opposite Bethany? Oh, I don't want to sit opposite Bethany. No, somebody else sit here. And she is the one to say that she doesn't want to sit there and she wants the arrangements to change. And Bethany happens to come up behind her because she's bringing out food. And she says... Kelly, you don't have to sit next to me. You don't have to eat my food. You don't have to be here. You don't have to do anything you don't want to. And straight away, Kelly's like, see, she's always after me. See, she's coming in. She's straight. She's straight for me. Why didn't she come in and have a go? She goes to Alex. Why, did, why didn't she come in and have a go at you? It's like, well, because Alex wasn't saying she didn't want to sit next to her. And that's what I found really frustrating with the show is that I was like, but Kelly again and again just changes the narrative to suit what she wants and doesn't take any culpability for, for what she just brought to the table. This is and more on that actually, later. Okay, we'll get there. So shall we take it all the way back to when we introduce her to the show? And then take, we'll... us, take us all the way back. Take us all the way back to Kelly's introduction. Okay, so Kelly uh, is not an OG housewife. She joins in season two and she appears in the very first episode. And Luann, of all people, has the dubious honor of uh, introducing her to us because she ostensibly knows her through the Hamptons equestrian scene. And we have a little talking <laughs> head of... Just the Hamptons equestrian scene, it's like, it's popping. Like, it's, <laughs> it's the place to be, Ellie. It's the place to um, be. Yeah. So Luann has a talking head saying... Oh, yes, of course. Well, I know Kelly from around the place. And, you know, I see her at in the, the Hamptons because Victoria rides and so does Kelly, which I took as, I barely know this woman. The producers want her on the show. The only person who knows her better than me is Bethany and Bethany can't stand her and doesn't want to film with her. So I'm the schmuck who has to introduce her to the group, as they call it. So Luann's sitting in a restaurant in the Hamptons waiting for for Kelly to turn up. And then Kelly walks in and Luann says, oh, would you like to join me for a glass of wine? To which Kelly responds in typical Kelly fashion, what is the afternoon? I don't drink. (laughs) 
and there's that weird her signature laugh where she just chuckles and inhales at the same time like it's the most like outrageous you know scandalous thing that you could possibly do have a wife that is so on point james it's that impression was glorious it was so again you know like we said about alex you go all the way back kelly's kind of always been like that and you can tell immediately it just kind of starts the the lunch off at a bit of a bum note because then Luan is sort of left going, oh, well, I mean, it's, it's just the afternoon. I mean, it's not that big a deal. And, but no, Kelly insists that she, just, she doesn't want to have a drink. And then there's some awkward chit chat again, Luan saying, oh, remember that time, you know, I ran into you in the airport and you're thinking, oh, what funny story is this? And she's just like, yeah, you were there and I had my kids and, <laughs> and, and everything. And then it just peters out. So then Luan is kind of like, fine, let's just get to the point of this scene where she invites Kelly to the big group party for that episode, which is a charity gala that Jill is throwing in the Hamptons. And Kelly, in a bit of a power move, says, "Mm, I'm not sure if I can go. I'll try and come if I can make it. And this is interesting because here is where I think the hope is, is that Kelly of all people, and I know this sounds crazy and ridiculous in retrospect, but this is the hope where Kelly will be the one to kind of heighten the show. Because the implication of her saying that is, while the rest of them are just scrapping the whole night at one of Jill Zarin's charity functions, Kelly is going to be swanning around a Christian Dior party, rubbing shoulders with the likes of, you know, Chloe Sevigny, and and she'll just stop by Jill's if she has the time. And I can see how for the producers getting Kelly on the show was a bit of a coup because Kelly, in fairness, was kind of of the moment and a bit of an it girl. And she really did sort of represent the glamour of the New York fashion scene, which was a facet of the city, which Mm. up until that point had only really been satisfied rather depressingly by Alex McCord's flesh and chains. My favourite. I think you're right. But I do think that what that did immediately was establish Kelly as seeing herself as somewhat above the show and immediately othering herself. So Mm. you have this new housewife who doesn't seem to have a great amount of enthusiasm for joining the others, for being part of a group. She's not sort of playing the ensemble role that's required of her. And she's also slightly turning her nose up at the level that they're at. And that happens again and again. And obviously we, you know, in her famous, I'm up here, you're down there. Never do we see it more, this idea that she sees the show as petty. And in some ways that made great television, but in some ways that's a problem for the show because it's sort of shooting itself in the foot to have someone on it snubbing it. And you can see the uncomfortableness with that. And you can see the other housewives like, you are not knowing quite what to do with that at the beginning because it's their job to get her to come to a party or something like that. And there's something quite needy about having to look sort of desperate for her to come, but that's, that's sort of their role and that's their script. So it, it puts, it, it immediately lends an air of awkwardness that I think stops the, the cogs turning with the ease that they normally do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an awkwardness that follows her for the rest of the show. And I, I want to be very clear. Yeah. She, it's not successful. No one really kind of falls for it that she is too good for the show because it's just, well, you're on the show and it kind of just makes you think, well, why are you here? And it seems to be a recurring theme with Kelly where she projects in a way, much like Alex McCord projects one thing or with all the women, I guess she projects one thing and immediately contradicts it with, something else. And I think that this kind of plays into, and I think at first it just reads as awkward. And then as the show goes on and Kelly gets more and more unraveled and can't take the heat in the kitchen, it gets more and more menacing. So she's very, just aesthetically to look at her, she's very kind of like 2006 in that she embodies that sort of boho chic look that was very prevalent at the time. You're so right that she was of a time of like big, like chunky bangles and, you know, like the owl necklaces she was designing even were like reflective of a whole fashion movement at that time. 
And I think she tries to uh, project the um, the kind of the culture that comes with that of being very um, like carefree and hippy dippy and. Mm. And in doing so, she very kind of clumsily makes the point of doing kind of so-called whimsical things very abruptly, out of the blue, very on the nose. Like, do you remember that scene where she's, she like just stops her conversation with Sonia and then she gets down on the ground to sort of spontaneously make a sand angel or oh, God. things like that, or eating jelly beans or jogging in traffic or saying to Alex, like, you're not angry, you're sad. And the fact that she's such a loose cannon who calls people hoe bags with tongues made out of knives in one breath and then does a cartwheel and runs off giggling the next makes her seem even more unstable and menacing. So then we go into our kind of, you know, opening montage where all the housewives introduce themselves properly. And it opens once again, very on brand for Kelly by saying, what is Kelly time? Kelly time means something really fun is going to happen when I get there. And that sums her up to a T because it's vague, it's nonsensical. I recognize that it's kind of superficially meant to be fun, but also it has this weirdly threatening undercurrent to it. It's also self-congratulatory. And that's the other thing that's so frustrating with Kelly is instead of coming across as confidence or self-assurance, it just constantly comes across as patting herself on the back. Sorry, it's so hard, I realise, to constantly not just compare her to Donald Trump. But that, I, and I honestly, that's not me trying to segue into like my bit about Kelly as Donald Trump. I was just going to say that the only other person I can think of who does that in the same way where it feels like their need for reassurance mixed with kind of slightly out of control ego is Donald Trump, who continuously compliments himself whilst talking about something when it was uncalled for and unasked for, like assuring right. the other person that they are great. No, absolutely. And she does this even in her montage, kind of she compliments herself indirectly, or I think she's complimenting herself, where she then kind of weirdly positions herself against men, just kind of completely out of the blue. So she says, I live in New York City. There are millions and millions of men in New York City. I'm exposed to so many men all the time. Businessmen, gay men, straight men, bisexual. I mean, I'm exposed to so many different men all the time. And I don't really know what point she's making because it's like, sure, like, what does million, that mean? Like millions of men live in New York City just as there are millions of women. And more to the point, just by virtue of living in the city, everyone's exposed to these same men. Ramona's exposed to these men. Bethany is and yeah she wears she it as a strange sort of badge of honor where it's like like you say that's just I'm afraid that's just a factor of human existence right and she doesn't she just does kind of leave us in the dark she doesn't really qualify it by then saying either you know I'm a big romantic and I love men or I'm I'm more of a guy's girl than a girl's girl which is one of the two things that it surely must yes, be yeah I'm assuming she means it's the latter, that she's more of a guy's girl, because that does kind of sow the seed for some of the discord with Bethany later on, you know, where she's saying she was like all over her boyfriend. And I do feel in general, we should talk quickly about sort of Kelly and the girls versus Kelly and men, because it is a thing far more than I think has been seen by any housewife up until that point. Uh, Again, the way, this whole thing of Kelly putting herself slightly above the show, she also puts herself slightly like above the women as if along with their gender comes a sort of pettiness and a kind of gossipiness. She, she's very big on the like, not like other girls category. And exactly. Um, it's something I personally find really difficult to watch that sort of like women who enjoy poking fun at sort of other women by encouraging those male stereotypes and it lends itself to like the Gillian Flynn gone girl monologue about you know cool girl eats fried chicken and cool girl enjoys watching sports and she doesn't care about all of those like petty things that like the girls care about she's like one of the guys and I feel like Kelly enjoys placing herself as as cool girl there's an unease when kelly spends time with the women and that's pointed out by luann in that first season when when kelly joins her and her niece or her goddaughter is it her niece, niece i think yeah for a drink 
And there's a sense that pervades the whole scene as if Kelly somehow is kind of humoring them. But And then Max turns up and it, it feels like suddenly we see Kelly at ease again because she's just one of the guys and she's sort of been like sitting sort of politely at their cocktail hour, but really she just wants to, like the kind of person she just wants to like jump on the back of a Harley and like. That's exactly what happens after like the brass monkey fight, that, that iconic fight with Bethany where she has a disagreement with a woman and then almost she even when she's still in the presence of Bethany, she's almost rewriting history, at least in her brain, of going saying to Bethany, Oh my god, you're so crazy! I've got to go, I've got to go to a date. And then she grounds herself by leaping quite literally into the arms of a man. But yeah, as you say, kind of like knocking back a beer, spreading her legs, and being like, Oh, women, eh? Like, I just had this crazy exactly. nut to deal with. Exactly. And being exactly and rewriting it as if Bethany had come in and been like, And you did this, and you did this, and you did this. When Kelly organized the meeting and came straight in and made it a confrontation. And I think it's that, that level of contradiction with Kelly and that level of chaos that actually makes it quite difficult to talk about her without reflecting that kind of chaoticness. It's quite hard to find like a steady thread to talk about Kelly because she is such a knotted like ball of contradictions. Absolutely. And that, I think, I feel like I keep saying this for anything that she does, like this sums up how contradictory Kelly is. But if I can just do it one more time, and it's not even a line or an argument or a scene, it's just a shot. And it's that famous shot of Kelly running down Fifth Avenue, jogging in traffic. And there's a front shot of her in particular that I'm thinking of where she's running down Fifth Avenue and there's this yellow cab right up her ass honking at her And it's just, first of all, so New York and it's so Kelly. It shows a woman completely in her own world who does as she pleases, flies in the face of convention. But the only thing, frankly, that would make it more Kelly is if she was running in the opposite direction against the the current of the oncoming traffic. And Mm. and it's, it's also, it makes me think of how how quite advanced the the cinematography was for the show, especially in such an early season, because I'm thinking, how did they film this shot? It wasn't like they were just, they had a scene where it was going to be her jogging and they were following her with a camera as she was running down the pavement like a normal person. And then she just decided that she was inspired and she just jumped into the road and started running and they just got in front and started following her. They The camera was clearly like mounted onto a car or something that was driving in front of her, which requires some planning which requires producers to fill out paperwork and permits and things of that nature yeah so it then makes me think that kelly again tries to project this kind of whimsical waggish and carefree behavior and she sat down with the producers and said this is a really good scene that will make me look that way and the producers probably filmed it going well it's not going to look that way it just makes you look crazy and i just i just chuckle because i'm imagining the cut footage from this scene and i'm imagining that there's just like cars behind us swerving out of the way and cyclists falling over and then there's like collisions <laughs> it gets more chaotic and there's explosions going off behind her and all the while kelly's just laughing manically thinking about how wacky she is <laughs> and isn't that just such a, a kelly moment that she's like smiling as she's running and the voiceover is saying you know you you never feel more at one with new york than when you're running in traffic. Meanwhile, like every vehicle around her hates her. Exactly. Like, yeah. like there couldn't be more disjoint between her running and the traffic around her. But she has this sort of air about her that she doesn't have to try to be a New Yorker. She like naturally is like, are you even a New Yorker unless you run in traffic? Exactly. And it's such a non-New York, it's not an any person thing. It's not a New York thing. And it's her applying that kind of like hippie mindset to a city that doesn't work that way. That whole monologue Mm. about like, yeah, you can like just feel the energy when you're running in traffic. She's talking like she's Pocahontas and she's about to break into cars with the wind or something, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't work that Um, way. Right. Now that we had started talking about the brass monkey, I kind of want to get back there. So obviously- We have this first kind of confrontation between Bethany and Kelly. And I think it's worth saying that what the confrontation comes from is, I know that they have history, supposedly, you know, Kelly argues that she has no idea who Bethany is. Bethany argues 
well, sort of the same thing, that Kelly ignored her and only wanted to talk to, to her boyfriend. And we've had this moment where um, at a charity function, it said, I think it's Jill Zarin has said that Kelly's name would be on the invitation. And Kelly says no and says, I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't put my name uh, on anything. You know, you, you, can't, you can't have my, my name on it, which does have a sort of aggrandized sense of, of self. Mm-hmm. And Bethany, yeah. who does have this very acerbic sense of humor and does have this history with Kelly, but also who's very good at the show and about how the show works. And here's someone immediately not playing ball. And like I said, sort of putting themselves above the show Bethany comes straight in with uh, this side comment to the woman next to her that that Kelly is obviously thinks she's Madonna. Not the worst thing Bethany said, you know. I get it. It's it's obviously pointed and it's it's not a compliment. Um, what I find fascinating is that that one comment becomes Kelly's beef with Bethany for the next like two seasons, every time they try and they try and move on, it comes back to that comment. It comes back to Kelly's sense that she was humiliated, that she was immediately sent up, that Bethany is out to attack her and to, to get her. What I find so bizarre about that is the way that Kelly is able to say whatever she wants and then whenever she's called out on it, argue that people are being petty. And yet we got two seasons of material from what is arguably a very petty comment from Bethany. Yeah, and arguably... Sorry, that was, a very, that was a very long-winded point. And this is what I mean about how it's hard to talk about Kelly without almost stooping to her level of like chaos. But I hope that that made sense. No, absolutely it does. And I think to your point as well, um, you know, I don't doubt that Bethany didn't like Kelly and didn't want to film. I completely yeah. believe that, Kelly, that Bethany did not want to film with Kelly from the get-go. But it's just weird, like there's... Bethany was a lot meaner to you and you were humiliated by her a lot more than just a comment about being Madonna. So yeah, just that kind of like harping on. Yeah. Like you said, her obsessing and holding on to that comment. And yet, you know, she can call Bethany a hoe bag and be called out on it seconds later and be like, Oh my God, why are you going on about it? Like that? It it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, after said Madonna comment, Kelly asks to meet Bethany at the Brass Monkey. And we've to got to talk out. about the fact, to give her a time out. And we've got to talk about the fact that Kelly turns up half an hour late. And Bethany <laughs> says, I've been waiting for half an hour. And Kelly's response is, oh, really? That's too bad. No ownership, no accountability whatsoever. No apology. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? That's too bad. As if it's Bethany's fault. Exactly. And it's playing into that thing of um, Kelly thinking that she can run in traffic and do as she pleases and everything caters to her and also that she is above the show. So everyone's on Kelly time. You know, she talks about what is Kelly time? Apparently this is Kelly time. Apparently, exactly. Apparently this is Kelly time. And it's funny because I feel like she acts as if Bethany calling her out for being half an hour late is exactly the kind of petty stuff that's below her. I think in one of the reunions, Kelly actually says like, something like god like with these women like the accountability and it's exhausting and it's like yeah accountability is that's normal that's human Mm -hmm. if you i mean it's not exhausting if you just own it but it's so interesting that even being called up on being late she immediately goes for as another reason that both you know women and the show exhaust her and she's you know she's cool girl she's much cooler than that she doesn't have time for that she doesn't have time to be called out for being late i think she doesn't have time to be called out for being late because i think it's distracting her from what she's practiced saying and i think i genuinely think because kelly is not she kelly is not articulate and she's not quick and bethany is and you can tell that kelly probably practiced her opening remarks in the mirror about 30 times before going there and she's kind of on script or her script anyway. And as soon as Bethany retorts, Kelly completely falls apart. 
And it's just all downhill from there. And this is why this scene is so fascinating because it's a case study in complete extremes of debate technique. You have someone, you have two people who are debating in completely different languages. You have Bethany who argues in logic and reason and Kelly who honestly, from what I've seen, takes her cues from alien radio frequencies. I, it's like, and I think it's kind of weirdly... <laughs> And it's also, which is why I wanted to make the point about her pink wellies, is that it's kind of reflected in the costuming as well. I mean, if there was a costume designer, if this was a, a drama, then top marks to the to the designer because Bethany is dressed head to toe in black. You know, she's all business. She's got her blackberry in one hand and a little yes, black yes. Prada bag. And she has complete clarity of thought. And then you have Kelly swanning in in this knitted turquoise off-the-shoulder dress that goes down to her knees and some pink Wellington boots on. She looks like one of her jelly beans personified and she's right. like festooned with all the bangles and the jewelry and she's not carrying a handbag or anything. She's just carrying this umbrella. So immediately, just visually, they could not yes. be more opposite. You're so right that Kelly has come in with a kind of prepared script, which is interesting considering how much she lambasts the other women, especially Alex McCord, for like a lack of authenticity and is always like, it, I kind of can't believe that Kelly has the nerve to do her thing of going like re-enter, come in again. It's, it's yeah. not authentic. You know, you're being weird. And her first argument, like you say, she comes in with like a prepared dialogue that she's, she's determined not to stray from. So kind of whatever Bethany says, she just pushes through with what she decided she was going to say right down to that moment like you say when they finish the conversation and she's like waiting for her in the doorway and she's like well she says first of all you need a timeout. you need to calm down you're so inappropriate and bethany's going with her again with her blackberry in her hand going i'm completely calm i'm completely right calm. and it feels like kelly was just like decided that that's what she was going to say at the exactly. end of this sort of however bethany performs um, God, I'm actually getting quite like hot and flustered talking about Kelly. I, it's so interesting. I've really noticed like a lack of laughter from us this time because it's quite <laughs> difficult not to talk about Kelly without getting quite wound up. I'm going to have to take my jumper off. I know. Well, while you're saying that, I think um, we have to talk about the that kind of infamous line that Kelly does where, again, I think this is one of her pre-prepared remarks where she goes, I'm up here gesturing with her hand that she is above Kelly's own head and Bethany you're down here and Bethany according to Kelly is below the table to which Bethany goes you're up here because why and again Kelly even that which is kind of like a pretty standard response to that kind of comment right. Kelly can't really give anything back she does her standard go-to thing which is she does her inhale laugh then she kind of leans back parts her fringe and then she goes really really Bethany I'm up here because why? Oh, really? You're going to do this? I actually, I actually find, I, I actually find it so difficult to talk about this side of Kelly without, she's every girl at school that wound you up and then told you to chill out. Her constant reprise of, of like you say, the, the really, really Bethany. And then, you know, later in the series, the Bethany, stop, stop, stop. And then in later series, the introduction of the like, shh, I actually find it I I find it like unforgivable I, I would not be able to deal with, I'm, James I think I'm breaking out of time I understand why <laughs> I understand why Alex has this reaction <laughs> honestly it's I think I think as someone who feels quite passionately about like words I find it's such a cop-out to fall back on sort of humiliating someone into being quiet by implying that they're losing their cool and also just by steamrollering them. Steamrolling them. And she does another thing that's also frustrating where she kind of often steamrolls people with compliments. If I'm remembering correctly, when Bethany and Kelly then have the kind of the follow-up at Jill Zarin's place and Kelly goes, stop, stop, Bethany, you're a beautiful girl. You know, you have an amazing boy. And it's like, well, Thank you, but that's kind of by the by. And also, so you get to then just dictate the mood of the discussion now. You came in right. Hot. You don't suddenly just get to take a hard right and take me with you. Again, that's not how so conversations weird. work. I also, I also just find Kelly incredibly rude. There are so many moments peppered across the three series she's in where someone like Sonia or Ramona, someone who is occasionally in her corner, will speak and she'll be like, can you just shut up for a second? 
Can you just zip it? Or she'll be like, can you just zip it? And again, I'm just, honestly, that's my record scratch where I'm just like, I did, what? Like, I just can't, mm-hmm. I, I can't, to me, Kelly lacks such basic manners. And I think that's why I find it bizarre that she she tries to run two contrasting narratives alongside each other successfully and just completely fails. One is this idea that like, whilst you're all like in petty arguing land, I'm in, I'm in happy lollipop land and I'm just above all of this. And like, why aren't you all more chilled? And like, oh God, at the reunions, like, God, why are we, how sad that we have to talk about this? Like, you know, there's a whole world out there where it's like, it's a reunion. What do you want? I think Bethany yeah. says like, what do you want us to talk about? It's we're literally here. You're being paid. You agree to do the show and you're being paid to be here and to hash this stuff out. You don't get mm-hmm. to, to have a kind of snobbery about that. And then yeah. on the other hand, she's trying to run this narrative that she has control. And like you say, that she can dictate the mood by being like, stop, shush. Like you're being, you're being weird. You're being like, that is its own form of, of bullying. It's also I also so... can't. St- I kind of can't stand it when any of the women drag out the bullying comment on, especially this whole systemic bullying thing. Where I'm like, the show, the show is designed at the end of the day to be entertainment, as docudrama as I I long for the show to be. Essentially, there's no doubt that they are there to make good TV. So someone coming in, kind of arguing that they're above that. It just means they, they shouldn't be on the show. It's as well, she lacks that. All of this is frustrating enough, but she also, again, lacks the self-awareness to recognize when she's kind of lost. And that's the thing that makes it really frustrating where, first of all, in a way, it's not a fair fight just because Bethany um, has so much more rhetorical superiority over Kelly, but also Kelly doesn't even recognize that she's been trounced in the fight. And I genuinely think she walks away so cocksure and she feels so like she's let Bethany have it and that showed her and she is probably jubilant in her mind. So it's then kind of like, why even bother? I'm sorry, but this is where I like, I come back to this thing of Kelly as Donald Trump where... So let's take Max. Max is a perfect example where Kelly, almost unasked for, I mean, maybe she's asked off camera, but she lays on so thick this stuff about Max. Max could, Max could be with a million girls, but she, Max wants to be with me. Max is incredible. Max is the best guy. Max is the, he's the best guy I've ever met. We're literally getting into like Trump territory. He's tremendous. He's a tremendous guy. Max is the most tremendous guy. <laughs> literally. Yeah. She doesn't, stop about it and then like you know max turns up at the drinks thing and everyone's like oh who's this and she's like oh my god they're all so obsessed about max they all they all wish that they could be with max but i'm with max i just really enjoy you know max wants me max wants me max is the best guy right we finally stop with that enter sonia morgan oh sonia used to date max cut to kelly being like i don't care like i i don't want to be with max like cool who like Max isn't, I don't know why they all care so much. Like Max isn't that great. Like it was fine. And you just go, you can't, you can't just rewrite the narrative, but that's what Trump does as well, where it's like, they just, they can turn on a dime and just be like, so what? I just change. This is the new, this is the new narrative I'm telling. And it doesn't matter that you go, hang on. I can literally play you footage of you last time. They're just like, Oh really? You're going to be that petty? You're going to get footage up on your phone? To show, yeah. like that's that's what's so frustrating with Kelly. Like nothing can stick because she can't own anything. Kelly is fake news. Oh, she's a calamity, and I mean Kel Amity. Get it? Get it? She's a <laughs> calamity. Her name's Kelly, and she's a calamity. So she's a Kel Amity. Huh? Anyone? <laughs> no. Nah? Nah? <laughs> you know what I loved was no, I didn't love. You know what I loathed was. I think it was her first reunion where they asked her to explain the stuff that was going on in the press. And I have to say, she talked for like 10 minutes and it ended with her in tears. And I was like, cool, like I'm all for compassion, but can anyone tell me what on earth she just said and how much longer I'm going to have to listen? And that's what I find hard, partly with Kelly, is I find it really difficult to like sit through someone's inarticulacy to the degree that the show kind of forces on its audience with Kelly. Well, I did that. I took on the um, thankless task of trying to pass some meaning out of K 
Kelly's ramblings. And I thought the best place to look at was on Scary Island when Kelly receives the gift bag from Bethany full of the skinny girl Oh my God. It's one of my favorite Kelly moments. So it begins with just some context. They go on this group trip and Luan and Jill, for various reasons, have not come. And they happen to be the only two people that Kelly really has any relationship with on the cast. And her relationship with Bethany in particular is frosty and it's just still like we've said just it's just been brewing ever since the the brass monkey fight and the comment about kelly being madonna so kelly despite her better judgment goes on the trip and she's feeling quite isolated and they're in this amazing house and on the very first night there bethany decides to make these gift tote bags and fill it with a lot of tap basically and give one to each girl sorry to be clear a lot of bethany branded tap a lot of skinny girl Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. I mean, that kind of goes without saying, considering it's Bethany. But like, she doesn't, she doesn't miss a moment to to push the Skinny Girl brand. And so I think they all receive a load of like beach towels and stuff that say Skinny Girl. Yeah, exactly. So on the one hand, it's like, this is another thing. It's like, you kind of, you pick your battles, don't you? Because it's, if you really wanted to, you could, it just kind of warrants an eye roll. Like, oh, okay, she just wants to. Exactly. I was like, she could have just said it was funny or like. And if, yeah. and if Kelly genuinely thought that she was up here and Bethany was down here, she would go, okay, let, let's just like throw her that bone. Let, let Bethany have that. Let her help out a right. little company because I don't really care anyway because I'm more rich and famous anyway. Because I've so got anyway, my so, owl jewelry line. <laughs> exactly. I mean, who can compete with that? And then she's, first of all, I've just looking at the shot of Kelly's bag outside her door. I've never been so triggered by a set of initials as I have with Kelly's because it just has this KKB emblazoned on it. And I think it's because it's one letter away from KKK already. My kind of yeah. my hackles are up. <laughs> and also who knows if it was intentional, but Bethany pulled a very good talking head just before where I don't know if it's performed or not but she comes across as incredibly genuine and mm. quite quite worn down by the trip. Bearing in mind her dad's just died and she's pregnant. And she's just had like quite an intense few days with Kelly. And there's this very kind of muted talking head where she practically shrugs her shoulders and says, look, you know, I wanted to do something nice for the girls. Like it's not, that, it couldn't yeah. be seen as less provocative. It's like... She, it really appears to come from a place of, of kind of no ill will. But this really triggers Not Kelly, according to Kelly. And no, no. She collapses on the bed and she starts crying a la Ramona in Morocco. And her talking head goes, I'm alone on Scary Island with no friends. And at this point, I'm starting to worry for my own sanity, because at this point in my research, I think I've been in Kellyland for far too long because I'm starting to kind of understand the through line of the monologue that follows here. So I took the liberty of transcribing a phone call that she makes to Jill. Oh, exciting. And it goes more or less like this. And, and I'm not going to do any, I just want to like say the words as they are and just let it wash say it over clean. Us. And Bethany's dad fricking died and she's on this trip. It just creeps me out. She's crazy. Before I came here, I had nightmares for the last week about her stabbing me. I'm not kidding you. I've had her with that black hair, like, and I'm like, she tries to literally claw your eyes out because she's like, you know what? You're not all that. And I'm like, then what am I? I'm sorry. I don't have double D fake tits in my face. No, I'm not all that. There's knives on her tongue. I can't imagine Jason kissing her because she's filled with knives. End scene. Wow. You know what? I might be using that for my next audition. I, Rupi Carr could never. It, honestly, it sounds like some spoken word beat poetry or just like a series of haikus strung together. Because she's full of knives. And I think that's mm. a beat we can all dance to. I also really want to pick up on this thing of Kelly's obsession with the word creepy, with things being creepy. And I don't know whether she doesn't know what creepy means, but I feel like she pulls that out a lot where, again, it kind of, it really gets a rise out of me because, you know, she's like going through the stuff in the bag and she's like, this is, this is creepy. This is creepy. And I'm like, it's really not creepy. 
opportunistic, you might say, right. or like, or even ill-advised in terms, you might be like, does she have no self-awareness? We've been fighting. Why is she giving me a free beach towel? But mm -hmm. I, like creepy, like her whole thing about Bethany being there after her dad just died and being like, it's creepy. I feel like it's such a low blow to imply, creepy implies something is, is like mentally wrong with the person. Creepy implies, that, yeah. uh, cre creepy implies malicious. It's it's both um, heavily charged, but also vague as well. You know that's what because right. there's no and specificity. That just sum Kelly up? It does absolutely. It's annoying because it's it is it feels like a low blow, especially given the circumstances. But it doesn't give enough specificity with which you can then argue. You know, mm. and it's it's like when she says, to "Alex, you're weird. You're being weird." It's like, what do you? You got to be. You got to give me more than that because I. It's like you can't prove that. I can't disprove that. It's just this kind mm. of thing that just sort of hangs there it's also like pot meat kettle it's so odd for kelly to ever accuse anyone of being weird i i, I think i do kind of just looking at the the writing though i actually and I, I i don't doubt that that kelly did have a bit of a break on this trip and she's not quite all there but i do see there is some kind of through line to this. And I feel like people like to make out that she's literally just walking around in like her bra and knickers, just blurting any old shit out completely out of the blue, which isn't quite like that. And I, I think Kelly's problem is that she, um, how should I say this? She is both linguistically ambitious, but extremely inarticulate. I think she has a tendency to speak with a lot of heightened imagery but she doesn't really finish one metaphor before. So she just kind of like blends it into the next. I know where she says, I'm sorry, I don't have double D fake tits because Bethany has had a boob job. It's by the by, but I, I know what she's saying. And then she's immediately eliding that with in my face, which sounds like a ridiculous image. But I think she's making a comment about, because Bethany used to have like quite a prominent jawline that she's now kind of um, had an operation on. Again, those are two very low blows about her looks. And it's not really anything to do with anything, but I, I, I think that's what she's getting at. But it doesn't, she doesn't help herself because she's being both mean and bizarre at the same time. I, I, I just, I think that coupled with a good old dose of malapropism as well for good measure just makes it, makes for something completely unintelligible. But I think the problem with, with Kelly is that she corroded the show's sense of fact. And this is my last Donald Trump analogy, but she she was the first person to propose like off-screen narratives that implied that the show lied and that you weren't being given all of the information, even when that was disputed by Bravo itself. So I can't not think about like in the reunion for season four after Scary Island. Was that season four? No, season three. Season three. Um, at the reunion for season three, where she was saying that she was forced, Luann asks in the reunion, why Kelly went on the trip if she was so nervous about going and being with that group of women. And Kelly says that she was forced to go by Bravo, at which point Andy Cohen says, that's not true. And she says, yes, it was to Andy. And he says, I'm sorry, that's, that's not true. And she says this great bit when he says, um, he says something like, it's, that's an interesting angle, but I just, I just have to say that for the show that's that's not true and she says yes it was thank you so much <laughs> like what are you thanking him for but you know bearing in mind how long ago this was that's become something far more normalized to us now the idea of people disputing fact and claiming sort of it's your word against mine where the show needs a backbone of fact in order to work like the show needs us to assume we're being shown everything so that we can make a fair judgment. And Kelly suddenly threw in this idea that there was like a whole other narrative off screen, which is a problem for Bravo yeah. if that happens, because suddenly it's not, it's not, it's, it loses its authenticity. I think she, I, I also picked up on that line that she said in the reunion and she said something that, and I'm now going to take over the Donald Trump baton because she says specifically, I was forced to go on by Bravo. Everybody knows that which is just tacked on to the end. And that's such a Trumpian move using that 
as if that's hard evidence, just throwing something completely outlandish mm. out there. And then having someone who is the executive producer of the show who very much represents Bravo saying, no, Kelly, I'm telling you for a fact that is not true. Jill Zarian wasn't forced to go on the trip. Luann wasn't forced to go on the trip. That doesn't add up. And it doesn't add up. But then her just saying, yes, it was, it was, digging in her heels. Uh, 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 I'm not listening. Everybody knows that. It's, where do you go from there? Uh, yeah, I really don't make those Trump comparisons lightly to be kind of zeitgeisty and sort of current. I really have never seen anyone bear more similarity to to Donald Trump than than Kelly Bentman on the show. Oh, 100%. Um, so, yeah, I feel like um, we've said a lot of, of quite disparaging stuff about Kelly. I've broken out in hives. There, weirdly, in spite of everything, there have been times where... I, I want to like Kelly because I see what could be very likable about her. Like, I, there's no doubt that she's, she's very radiant as a person and I'm sure could be very joyful to be about. And it's funny, going into the fourth season, for instance, I sort of thought maybe without Bethany, I sort of tried to restart with the Kelly thing and, and then Morocco happened. But Yeah, I don't want it to just be we've been railing on Kelly for the whole time. And I tried like with the the phone call to Jill, I, I honestly tried really hard to kind of get into Kelly's head, however arduous a task that may be. And I am worried that I am the Kelly whisperer and I've gone a bit mad. But I think <laughs> it's it's interesting looking over, then carrying that over into the Scary Island dinner and looking over another bit that has kind of become quite famous. And I actually think that it's it's unfairly painted Kelly in a mad light. I mean... Can I guess what it is? Yeah. Is it Al Sharpton? No, it's not Al Sharpton. Oh, why do you think Al Sharpton isn't... Because it's one of the moments that I feel gets replayed again and again as, as evidence of Kelly being crazy. Kelly suddenly sort of shouting, Al Sharpton, Al Sharpton. And mm-hmm. everyone was acting like, what are you talking about? And where's that come from? And I do always think, well, it comes from the fact that Bethany just said you can't handle the truth. Like, I, I, I always feel like that's presented as if she literally started speaking in tongues. Like, but the Al concern Sharpton didn't on say you can't handle the truth, though. Oh, did he not? No, it's um, Jack Nicholson in Goodwill Hunting, I think. No, well, who's Al Sharpton then? He's, an, he's, <laughs> he's like a pastor and a civil rights activist. My mind is blown. <laughs> What? No, so yeah, Al that's Sharpton the point. Has yeah. nothing to do with you can't handle the truth. Nothing. Also, I don't think Jack Nicholson says it in Goodwill Hunting. I think Goodwill Hunting is. No, not Williams Goodwill Hunting. Matt Damon. Oh, fucking hell. No, who is it then? No, it's Jack Nicholson in. Oh, God, this is so embarrassing now. <laughs> We're just as bad as Kelly. The pair of us. <laughs> We're just as bad as Kelly. Oh, my what? God. What? So, anyway, oh Jack God. Nicholson Hang on. says it. I know it. who Al Sharpton is. Al Sharpton's the pastor civil rights activist, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. But he didn't say you can't handle the truth. I made a point of Googling. I, 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 for my research, I Googled Al Sharpton, you can't handle the truth, just to see if he ever said it once in a speech, kind of quoting Jack Nicholson famously, and nothing came up. It's just Kelly saying that. And then I did find Kelly tweeted in response to someone saying to her, what the hell were you talking about, Al Sharpton? And she responded to the person again a very donald trumpian thing everybody knows this is an al sharpton thing it's a new york thing no it's not right so sorry that wasn't the one more that I was for me her on. But, okay what were you gonna defend her on <laughs> the one that really gets me is everyone makes out that kelly just says to alex out of the blue you stormed in and you delivered that message to jill zarin and you had uh, kabuki makeup on and that you were channeling a vampire which isn't quite true. I mean, she does say those words eventually, but she gets there with some help from all of the other women. So what actually happens was Kelly is saying, for some reason, she's, she is just having a go at Alex. That's not quite clear. And she's recalling the famous scene when she delivers the message to Jill that we discussed last episode. And Kelly says to Alex, you had very heavy eye makeup on, which coupled with her pallor and the the kind of the... Um, aggressive Mm. tone of the message made her seem very threatening in the moment. And again, this is what I was saying before, Kelly likes to speak in images. So it naturally does just seem a bit dramatic. And then Bethany kind of goes, oh, I see. Well, was she in kabuki? Was she in costume? 
kind of like with a laugh, but almost as if, you know, she sees that Kelly is kind of being a bit vulnerable right now and is kind of like feeding into her insanity to which Kelly plays off of that by laughing and going, yeah. And she was like channeling a vampire as if she's now playing improv with Bethany going, yes, and, and then upping that in some way. So then they all then go, oh, so you're saying that she's Kabuki and she's channeling a vampire, which isn't quite how we, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. I'm not taking away from the fact that it, it's kind of very bizarre behavior, but it's not quite like they do sometimes just make out that she stormed in and she just said out of the blue, Bethany, you try to kill me. Bethany, you have a tongue made out of knives. Like I don't genuinely think that Kelly thinks that Bethany's tongue is made out of knives. Again, she's trying to use a metaphor and saying she is, she's so sharp with her tongue. It feels like I'm being stabbed to death with her words. Uh, like I, that's what she's getting at. And, yeah. and I think if we then we could take that treatment that the women give Kelly and we could apply it to anyone else. We could even apply it to Bethany, you know, Bethany in, in that season's reunion, she's going at Kelly and then Kelly decides that she's had enough and she gets up and she walks off and Bethany goes, you have psychological and emotional problems and there's no getting through to you. And then once Kelly's offset, Bethany in a moment of exasperation goes, Oh, it's like talking to, I don't know, Humpty Dumpty, which doesn't make any sense because it's not as though Humpty Dumpty is kind of a character. Psychological issues. Exactly. Right. It's, it's, it's a, right. That in itself is a bit of a non sequitur, but we could pass over that and say, oh, you know, what are you saying that Kelly's an egg that she's like, but it happens. Don't. I absolutely, I suppose what, what with, with Scary Island and um, that dinner in particular, what felt so tumultuous was Kelly's upset over things that she has done herself and deemed to be petty. So there's a moment where she turns to Sonia and she's like, how can you sit here with her calling you a hooker? And it's like, right. you called Bethany a hoe bag the night before. Yeah, It's a bit like, you know, Ramona walking off from the reunion because of Alex's nude photos. And then the next season giving Mario like a chest massage on telly. Like yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's that that lends itself, I think, to quite how like the high drama of that scary island thing is like kelly is again it's like that dual personality of like her deep deep upset and like saying things like i feel like you're trying to kill me you're going after my children and then also like skipping down the corridor being like does anyone want a jelly bean yeah i actually you know what i feel like there's so much to say how do you feel i feel like we may have to do a whole episode on scary island it needs to be done it wouldn't be right i think it needs to be done yeah how do Should you we, like, feel about a... wrapping up on Kelly? If we must. Oh. <laughs> and James, we must. <laughs> <laughs> All good things must so, come to an end. In her great range of contradictions, do you have a favourite Kelly nonsensical line? This isn't nonsensical, actually, but I feel like I just want to... It's my favourite Kelly moment because it's one time I actually have a lot of clarity with her and I, she comes across as a normal person. You know, it's always very nice to hear people talk about stuff that they know about. And the only time, I can honestly say, hands down, the only time I believe and understand exactly what Kelly is talking about is when she talks about how strapless dresses don't look good on her because she has broad shoulders and it makes her look yes. like a linebacker. And it yes, was like, that a, is like so the, true. The clouds parted and I, I trusted her completely. <laughs> and I felt that very is warm so and safe. True. I remember her speaking about that and thinking, oh my gosh, Kelly Benson just made sense. And I agreed with yeah. her. She actually knows something, yeah. And, and had some self-awareness. It was a, it was a great oh. moment for her. It was a high point. Great choice. What about yours? What's your favourite moment? My favourite Kelly line has to be in, in one of the reunions when her defence of her character was, Cosmopolitan rated me the five most nice celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that one. <laughs> Cosmopolitan rated me. What's so funny is that she doesn't even say Cosmopolitan rated me one of the five nicest celebrities. Yeah, the yeah, words yeah. Are Cosmopolitan rated me the five most nice celebrity. It makes <laughs> no sense. And it's also not where I would look to in your life for the judge of, of character. Um, oh, I love that she didn't, go, she didn't go to... She didn't go for close friends, family, all the charities she does. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. was straight in with like, well, mortal you because Cosmopolitan voted me the five most nice celebrity. Well, it's all par for the course for Kelly really, isn't it? 
Oh, I, I've got a sweat on after that episode and not just because my mic broke. Apologies to everyone, by the way, for my poor sound quality. I know at the moment I sound like a special guest rather than a co-host. I'm currently up a cliff in Cornwall in lockdown and I'm having technical difficulties with, with sound and internet and microphones. So apologies for, for sounding like I'm doing a, a lockdown talking head. Although I feel like if we, could do, if we could do lockdown talking heads for the Real Housewives of New York, then I'm sure, I'm sure we can do it for me. It'll have to suffice. Your punishment is you have to go running down Fifth Avenue, jogging in traffic with Kelly Ben Simone. Right, I'm off. Hi. <laughs> 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 uh, let me tell you, Kelly's land of lollipops and jelly beans has turned into something of a sort of ghost train and I'm exhausted. The Kelly train has left the station. Absolutely. And I'm and jumping I don't ever it. want to get on it again. Exactly. I'm jumping under it. Ooh. I'm no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joining you. So James, please tell me what we're talking about next week and please tell me that it's it's something happier. Um not really. <laughs> <It's>, um... <laughs> no, it's like I really kind of Kelly's just been in training for the next week. It's a good one. It's a biggie. It's like the big one that we've all been waiting for. It's the feud between former besties Bethany and Jill. So we're going to be oh. unpacking how they meet their friendship and then how it just all falls apart from there. And it's it's going to be a shit show. Right. I better gird my loins. <laughs> gird away. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Housewives Archives so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating or tell your friends about the show. That would help us out as well. Thank you so much for joining and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.